The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome. We have a great show today, and it's a great way to start off 2015. I have a man on today that his children say he is a walking example of God on earth, and... They've said he is my hero. And then lastly, many in Christianity say many things and don't follow through. My dad always follows through. He is my hero. Who knows someone like that? Who knows someone that has children that say things like that about their dad? I had to find this man, and he is traveling to down the road. His name is Rex Bornman, and uh, welcome to the show, Rex. Thanks, Ann. It's great to be here. How'd you like my intro? <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> I, I just love the... Actually, I like the, the intro before you even got to the my kids part. The life and empowerment and health and wellness, I thought, man, I'm, this is a show I want to be listening to. So Yeah. My job is to lift people up and show them that they can achieve great things and give well, them the excitement. That's, that's incredibly praiseworthy, kiddo. <laughs> and you are the perfect person to do that today for the new year. I want to talk so much about how you were able to achieve with your family, definitely, but also tell them about who you are. So if we can start, you actually live in Charlotte, North Carolina, right? I do. I do. Uh, My wife and I have been here in Charlotte now for almost eight years. Are you in Charlotte today? You're traveling, right? No, actually, I'm, I'm en route between here and the lovely city of Asheville, where the Biltmore is, and uh, we're just, it's a little fun day for Chris and I today, so. Oh, wonderful. Well, okay, so let's start out about your background. Um, right now, you are a pastor at Christ Life, Christ Life Church? Christ Life Church, yeah, Christ Life Church in South Charlotte. South Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I know you've pastored for a long time, is that right? Yes, I've been, uh, actually, I've been Kind of over the years, it's been an interesting journey for me. Uh, it, it, my my whole faith journey is really not so much birthed in church and church relationships, church organizations. It was much more birthed in uh, uh, kind of the Jesus movement of the, the late 60s, and the early 70s. Uh, that's kind of what gave birth to a real living faith for me. And then only after that did I actually find, uh, quote, the organized church. And uh, and actually, truthfully, and about six months into that journey, I was pretty much ready to, you know, to part ways with the organized church because it, it just didn't seem like that was the same thing as the living, joy-filled, uh, you know, faith that I had. And so I, I would have parted ways, but didn't. 
I ended up actually kind of serving churches over the years and, and fixing some of the issues that somehow go wrong, where you start out well and then you kind of lose your way and you drift into who's got the coolest program and, you know, uh, arguing over air conditioning and goofy things like that. So, yeah, but that's what I have done over the years, coaching church leaders and uh, helping with what what's come to be called church revitalization uh, and doing that really across the country and in several parts around the world as well so well and i know that you are involved with missions as well absolutely absolutely and I, we are on a mission with god we're the we're not the blues brothers we're the hopeful blues brothers so <laughs> we're definitely out there uh, sharing the faith of christ and really it's it it's it's almost i can't I can't personally picture someone who says, hey, I'm a true believer in Jesus Christ. I I believe that God's saving mercy is for everybody in the world. I just don't want to give any money to share that with anybody. Uh, just to me, that's unconscionable. And especially in a world where there's, there's several billion people who live uh, every day on $2 a day or less. And so a minimal amount of money from someone in the Western cultures can make such a huge difference in people's lives. So, yeah, yeah, we're, we've always been very, very big on uh, missions giving and missions involvement as well. And so the missions that you, did you start a mission? Uh, well, we've, we've birthed a ton of different ministries over the years. Right. You know, yeah. Something of a little bit of an entrepreneurial edge of, you know, if, if you can dream it, uh, God will help us to do it. And so, you know, let's just see what that might look like as we move forward. So, yeah, in and among the the business of uh, going from place to place, church to church, uh, on a on a kind of a quest to improve things, to get people kind of back in touch with or or for the first time really in touch with a living faith, uh, in the middle of all of that, I've done an, a fairly extensive amount of traveling as well uh, on a world scale. I used to actually... Uh, uh, lead the uh, an effort for the Assemblies of God churches in the U.S. Uh, it was an overseas ministry that they called Ambassadors in Mission, and, and that was a ministry to kind of mobilize young people, teens, early 20s, uh, to spend short periods of time somewhere in the world making a difference in the name of the Lord. So uh, that, that really spawned a great deal of overseas travel as well. You know, it's it's interesting. We talked about people losing their passion. Um, churches lose their passion. People in churches lose their passion when the church has lost its passion. They so do. it sounds yeah. like uh, you help them get their passion back. That's uh, that's part of what it's about. If there's a if there's any one thing that I'm sure uh, happens as a result of uh, being in situations like that, and I've seen this over and again. There's there's just a divine energy. There's a there's a power that God gives you, a joy, a hope, uh, a purpose, a passion, the life that I would call the life of God. That we, in fact, we call it Christ life. It's the Christ life. It's this, this name that we use for the faith that's living and energizing and powerful beyond measure. And when you're with people who don't have that, it, it just shows. I mean, it, it, when you're with people who seem to have lost that, this just compels them. It just kind of calls them back. It makes you want to go, ooh, ooh, I want some of that. Wow. <clears throat> well, I know that um, 
people listening want some of what you have that your son, Jeremy, says about you. Um, they want to know. They want people to feel that way about them. They want people to talk that way about them. Um, and so we definitely have to get to that. I um, I want to back up and ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I know that you were a high school football star. Where did? <laughs> yeah. Again, you've been you've been listening to my son, haven't you? I yeah. have. I have. That's why I was so excited that I could get you on. Um, and you actually had a letter of intent to Florida State. Yeah, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Okay. Uh, in in the late '60s, yeah, I was in high school in Pennsylvania and and had a pretty you know a, a pretty legitimate high school football career and uh, and actually got recruited. Uh, uh, at least letters, you know, that were coming from colleges all across the country, as far away as UCLA, Florida, um, you know, Penn State, of course, which was right in my backyard, living in Pennsylvania. And so, uh, yeah, I had I had every hope to be able to, you know, play college and then professional football at that point in my life. But that that all changed after my senior year of high school. I uh, uh, again just living large. The late 60s, 68, 69, uh, thinking, uh, you know, I had the world by the tail and hadn't really had a clue about much of life at all. Uh, I got in a car accident uh, in January of my senior year, which just pretty much changed everything. It was before you would actually sign the letters and, you know, sign for the scholarships and do all of those sorts of things. Uh, before that happened, uh, I went over a 120-foot embankment uh, in a car and to head through the windshield, uh, toward the dashboard to shreds with my legs and ended up, um, with what they called an irreversible kind of condition that my, uh, my knees would uh, just basically continue to deteriorate, that there was friction between the patella and the bones and that this would just, it would just get worse and worse and there were really no ways to fix it. And so pretty much kiss your career and any kind of athletics goodbye at that point. So, I tell you, um, that was a high-speed police chase that you got hit by, right? Yeah. Yeah, actually, the, the guy that hit us, uh, uh, my, my girlfriend was driving the car and I was, you know, uh, an unseat-belted passenger uh, with a pizza in my lap. And uh, I was wearing the pizza then after the whole thing because I just, I really literally bounced about. We got hit by this guy who was trying to run from the police, and he was really kind of inebriated as well. And he, he just crossed three lanes of traffic, hit the front of our car, and knocked us right up over this 120-foot embankment down onto the railroad tracks in Atola, Pennsylvania. You know, on my, my last show, I actually talked to a man named Steve Eichmann, who had just been recovering from a head-end collision, yeah. and that crushed that crushed his feet and legs, and um, it's been about five months since then. So I had him on talking about that, him and his daughter, about how yeah. it really changed his life, and um, in a lot of ways, um, sure. his his daughter, who's twelve, said that she loved having him home more, and so you know, kind of reorganizing your priorities and and it really does wake you up to what's really important in life what what yeah. position did you play in football at the time i but well you know it, it was high school football at the time and, and of course in high school football uh you know if you're something of a stud athlete you do it all so i was <laughs> a running back 
Uh, our, we ran a triple option offense, so I also played wide out on that offense. Uh, and then uh, I was a defensive back as well. So, Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, I punted, I kicked off, I returned punts and returned kickoffs. So pretty much I didn't leave the field during that whole time. You were very important. No wonder they um, were going to recruit <laughs> no, I don't you. Know about that. Just, <laughs> you were very important to the team. Sounds like you you could have played by yourself, maybe so. your ego. <laughs> well, okay, so let's talk about the ego then. Um, sure. When you got hit, and that is such um, a rare thing to have happen to get hit by a high speed police chase, and yep. even getting thrown that far. Yep. Um, how did you handle all that? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I wish I could tell you, and that that was like, oh my gosh, this is this amazing, uh, you know, revelational moment for me where I had this epiphany and my whole life changed. Uh, it's just not true. I, I it was it was just a bad day. I mean, was, I, I woke up in the hospital, you know, stitched up all over my head and face because I I literally kind of pushed my face through the windshield and and I was wrapped. Uh, both my legs were wrapped from my hips all the way down to my ankles. Now, you know, thankfully, I hadn't broken any bones and all of that. There was damage to my knees, but but it was it was you know a kind of degenerative uh, tearing that was going on inside of them. And uh, and so anyway, it's it, all my friends came around, and all my friends were the same goofy people that I was. You know, it was the late '60s, and you know, it was drugs, sex, rock and roll, all that kind of crazy stuff going on. And uh, and they all just they all got around to say, you know, that's really too bad. Let's get high. So uh, you know, it, it wasn't a big life changer. It was a life changer for me in that it would change the future course for me. But. Right. But it, it just it didn't serve to wake me up. I, I'm sad to say that, but that, that is the reality of it. It didn't serve to wake me up. That happened several years later when I was just on the verge of turning 21, uh, the first time I had ever met real Christian people. And, and then that was a life changer for me. That's interesting. So did you get really angry after your yeah, record? I did you? I, go ahead, yeah. Well, I was going to say, or did you smoke pot? <laughs> that was my yeah, question. Well, yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah. See, you run through the whole gamut of things. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know how angry I was. I was, uh, I guess, a little more philosophical about it in that, you know, stuff happens. I mean, it just it just does. And, wow. and so, hey, it's too bad that it happened to me. But I I hadn't really, uh, you know, that, that 60s generation... Uh, being a teenager in the 60s, we kind of lived in, maybe it's just a teen affliction, who knows, but we kind of lived in a fog anyway. You know, it, it, the, it was a rare person that had a real sense of, gee, this is what I'm going to do with my whole life. In, in that era, it was more of a, you know, some crazy person could blow the whole world up tomorrow. So, so what are we going to do? Well, let's get in touch with what's fun and enjoyable and powerful, and let's let's do that now because we could all die tomorrow. And hmm. uh, you know, so that that was kind of the attitude I think that, that certainly that I had been taking up to that point, and I I kind of continued to do that, just living large. Uh, the good news for me was that I was then because of the accident. Uh, there was a settlement that had been made, a financial settlement through the insurance companies. And uh, and that was sitting in a bank waiting for me when I would turn 21. 
And oh. so I had these all these ridiculously uh, ungodly plans for what I was going to do once I turned 21. So in the meantime, I was just kind of waiting around. And that's what I said. And then, and then it was, uh, again, I went to Florida State University for a short period of time, left that because it was like, yeah, I, I, I went to play football, not to, not to major in acting. And so uh, <laughs> I, I got home, ended up kind of selling drugs with a bunch of my friends, bouncing about the planet, um, you know, doing what we did. And again, I had some pain in my legs, but, but I, I, I had a, a variety of drugs that I could take uh, that would help me with some of that. And, and I was living that way until I met Christians for the very first time. It was on a Tuesday night. It was in a Dairy Queen parking lot at 10 o'clock at night. And I and my friends were just there. We were just get the munchies, you know. It's a kind of a drug affliction thing. And so we were just there wanting to get, you know, a hot fudge sundae with peanuts. And I'm standing in the line. <laughs> I'm waiting for my hot fudge sundae. And I realized, and, and you got to get the picture. I, you know, hair down the middle of my back. I got on bib overalls, no shoes, and you know, just kind of. I'm I'm four sheets to the wind as far as, as craziness goes. And I realized that this guy in front of me in the line has turned around and he's got a hold of my hand. He's shaking my hand, you know, just just pumping it like for all it's worth. And uh, and he hey, smiled at me with like a bajillion teeth, and he says, "Son, Jesus loves you." And out, yeah, seriously, and out the now door I, goes. Hold on, I want to, I want to kind of close for the commercial with that. Oh, okay, um, yeah. I have this picture of a guy turning around that didn't know it all, grabbing Not your hand, which would freak everyone out, and shake it and say, "Jesus loves you." So exactly. we have to stop, take a commercial break, and we're going to come okay. right back with that. Okay. Super. Okay, you guys, we're break. We'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Mothers and daughters have a unique relationship. There are trying times and loving times. There is joy and there can be heartache. Listen for Communicating from the Heart, the empowered mother-daughter relationship. Your hosts are Elizabeth Lutz along with her daughters, Danielle and Melissa Schoeniker. Come with them as they share an open and honest discussion to help mothers and daughters everywhere strengthen and support their own relationships. Listen Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you ever noticed that sometimes life just feels easier, especially when judgment of you or anyone else ceases to exist? What if you could function from that space all the time? What if gratitude is the key? Every time you are grateful for someone or something, a new universe opens up. What difference can you create in your life and the world from the energy, space, and consciousness of gratitude? Join us on Access Consciousness Presents Beyond Saying Thank You every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to access your magic. 
Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. We have Rex Boardman, pastor of Christ Life Church, on the line with us today. He, if you didn't hear the first segment, it was incredible. He went through his life as a football player in high school, a letter of intent to Florida State to play um, college ball when he was out and got hit in the middle of a high-speed police chase, which... um, put him in the hospital, almost killed him. And um, he was, before that, enjoying the 60s life with drugs and everything else. Um, After his wreck, he's still enjoying that life and about to come into a lot of money when he was 21. And he started off telling us about what changed his life more than the car wreck uh, when he was in that Dairy Queen parking lot and having the munchies and eating (laughs) Dairy Queen. So we're picking up from there, Rex. Are you yeah, there? I don't mean awesome. for this to be like a big ad for Dairy Queen, by the way, but <laughs> in the day, that was the place right there. And and again, for for those of us who were selling drugs, lots of kids hung out there, and so it was a it was a pretty easy place to find people that might you know want to sample your wares. But anyway, this this fellow inside of the the Dairy Queen was shaking my hand. I mean, you know, thirty something, very clean cut kind of guy. And uh, that I'd never met before, never seen before, and he just he just blatantly tells me, you know, son, Jesus loves you, and out the door he goes. And so you were standing in line, I, and he just I, turns around. You didn't say anything yeah. to him or anything. Oh no, no, I said nothing to him. I'm just standing there with a vision of you know the, what I'm going <laughs> to eat, and and this guy is shaking my hand, tells me Jesus loves me, and then out the door he goes. And in all oh. truth, I'm standing there thinking to myself. This is an hallucination. This didn't happen. I mean, it just was kind of cool, but, you know, because we take drugs, for heaven's sake. So you have these <laughs> weird experiences. And, and my friend, Rusty, who was standing right next to me in line, is just staring at the space where this guy had been. And so I said, Rusty, did you see that, too? He's like, yeah. So it was, you know, druggies. Two lights come up at the same time. We just freak out. We just think that's just amazing. So we got our ice cream. We go outside. And we would have just left, and that would have been the end of that uh, amazing experience, except that there were a whole bunch of young people out in the parking lot, and they had my friend Rich kind of surrounded, and they were sharing with him. And then since Rich had the keys to the car, we weren't really going to go anywhere. So uh, I, we went around, and I sort of watched over Rich's shoulder to, to listen to what was going on. And the interesting thing that struck me, Anne, in all of this was that the same kind of energy, the joy, this 
Elon, this, this Zech, the joie de vivre, whatever you want to call it. I mean, this, these people had this, and uh, they were all just surrounding my friend, and this little Asian guy is just sharing with my friend. He's just, you know, telling him about that God's alive and that God's well, that he's operating in the earth, that that's who we are. We're people who know God, and he's, he's given mercy and grace to us, and we're God's children, and all of that. And I, as I stood there thinking, it was like, wow. Okay, if God really does have children, then this is what these kids are going to look like. And I had a moment at, at that particular point in my life where uh, it's kind of like if, you, if you're a Bible person and you know the stories of the Scripture, there's one in John chapter 4. Uh, it's, it kind of goes by the title, The Woman at the Well. But basically, Jesus is just sitting there at the midday, and this kind of woman who's ashamed of her history comes out, and and she would have she would have just left, but she she had come out to get water, and here's this guy. She doesn't want to talk to him. Anyway, the bottom line of it is, he he was given some level of revelation that helped her, and she went went back into town that day, saying, "This guy has just told me everything that I ever did." And just, it was just, and it was her encounter with Jesus. And so that's kind of what happened to me that night. I, I had gone around to the side of the car, looked over my friend's shoulder, and I, the first words I hear this little guy saying, that's sharing the gospel with my friend, is, he's pointing in his face, he says, you may think that God wound up the universe and walked away. And then he went on. Now, the reason that's significant, Anne, is because two weeks previous to that, I'm not a person who ever had thought about God much, but I had been with that same guy, that my friend Rich, in a store. He pulled out a plaque of John 3.16, kind of read it to me, and asked what I thought. And it was like, I mean, it just said John 3.16, the name and then the numbers. And I had no clue. I said, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So he, he shared the verse, that God so loves the world, that he gave his only begotten son. And then he asked me this question, don't you believe in God? And I, I clearly remembered saying, yeah, of course I believe in God. I think it's ridiculous not to believe in God. The world can't be just an accident. But I think God wound up the universe and walked away. Oh, did you use those exact words? What's that? Did you use those exact words? I used those exact words with him. And that's wow. why now I'm standing in the parking lot, fast forward to this Tuesday night, and, and this guy says, you may think that God wound up the universe and walked away. And it was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. I was just captured. I just literally, it was like God swept into the moment, and there I was, and, and I listened with total rapt attention to what this guy had to say, and he was talking about God being alive and well and operating in the earth, and it just made such sense to me listening to that. And so they got to the end of this, where he would have, he's challenging my friend that you could just, you need to be a person of faith, you need to trust Christ, you need to, to, to let, let God just save you from your sin, and all this other kind of stuff. And, and so uh, my friend is, you know, like, oh, okay, sure, yeah. And, and so they get to this point where they're going to pray this, I, I guess, totally life-changing prayer. And just as they begin to do this, uh, these couple of girls that were standing in the background got so excited that they just joined hands, like, ring around the rosy sound. They started skipping around in a circle, saying, you know, oh, thank you, Lord, and hallelujah, and isn't this so exciting? And I was just amazed. I mean, I stood there thinking... Yeah, whatever this is that's going on right here, this is the coolest thing in the whole world. I mean, this is this is a life changer right here. 
And, and so I'm just, I'm literally, I, I've let my ice cream melt over my arm. I'm staring at these people who are just having a great time in the faith. And then all of a sudden, uh, if you've ever gotten caught staring at somebody, I'm sure you have. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure people have stared at you and you feel it. You, usually you're supposed to act really cool when someone catches you staring. You know, you cough, you drop your pencil, you do, you do something. I, I realize they've stopped dancing. They're looking at me. These girls are looking straight in my eyes, and I am frozen solid. Got melted ice cream on my arm, hair down the middle of my back, and this girl that I'm looking at, and I would still be standing there today, frozen, except that she smiles, the same huge smile that the guy inside has, runs around the car, grabs me by the hand, starts pumping my hand, saying, isn't this just the greatest? <laughs> and I said, yes, this is just amazing. And then she, then she spits out, are you a believer? And, and I have no idea to this day why I said it, but I said, yes. <laughs> I wasn't. I had no clue what a believer really was, except that I knew these people were. And then all of a sudden, they just avalanched me with hugs and, you know, just congratulations and, oh, this is great. And isn't the faith wonderful? And don't you love Jesus? And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, I'm not even sure I know him yet, but this feels just straight up amazing. And and from there to this day, it's been a, an amazing, amazing journey. But that was the first time that I ever met Christians and, and Christ through Christians, this living, real faith in God. It was because of them I got a Bible. It was because of them. And, and actually, the first month that I had a Bible, I read the whole thing cover to cover six times. Just crazy, crazy hungry to get to the truth of this. Uh, found a living, loving, thriving, ongoing relationship with God that has that has never faltered for you know forty some years now. So it's it's a it's an amazing thing, living faith. Well, and you said a a very important thing that a lot of people haven't experienced, which is you met Christ in these Christians. Absolutely, yeah. and um, a lot of people don't. Because yeah. Christians have lost their passion and purpose. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, it was it was a few months after that, uh, a friend of mine had gotten involved with a local church, and they were building. It was there was a building project that they were working on, and he asked me if I would come and help them on their building project. And so through that, I met their pastor. It was just in a local town nearby where I lived, and and he encouraged me, "Hey, come to our meeting on Sunday." And and so I I went there and I started doing that. Um, of course, I was attending these these gatherings of the Jesus people. They would get together. Uh, that Tuesday night group was a part of a prayer gathering that would get together every Tuesday night at this chiropractor's house, and uh, you know, 150 people strong, and they just and then they would go out and share their joy with other people. So I had that level of faith. I had a Bible. But then I, I got involved with this church, and, and honestly, Ann, it, it, was, it was only about six months into that that I started to think, wow, this, this stuff that's going on here isn't the stuff that's happening in my life. It's, it's not the same. It's, it, it's, it's more about, you know, rules and regulations and who does this and, you know, sermons and songs and stuff like that. And I thought, wow, have you guys met Jesus? You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. living faith is a whole different thing. It is. I think that a lot of people actually meet the Pharisees. They don't meet Christ. There you go. And, yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't feel good to meet Pharisees. It doesn't feel well, good at all. And, you know, people 
don't realize that, that Christ came to set you free, not to judge you. You had enough people around you then, and the Pharisees were already judging. Everybody was judging everybody. And uh, sure. that's not what Christ is about. Yeah, and, not at all. In fact, that's that one one of the parables that you're you know that that is mentioned in Scripture that specifically speaks to that issue is in Luke 18 where it says, and where Jesus said this to people because these were the kind of people who trusted in themselves that they were really all of that in a bag of chips as far <laughs> as faith was concerned, and yeah. and it's this Pharisee who's who's in the temple saying, oh, I just thank God that I keep all the rules and regs and I fast twice a week and I'm not like all the rest of these other you know peons, and pointing his finger at the publican, who's over on the other side, who just, this is a guy who's standing there saying to himself, literally it says he's kind of praying within himself, and he's saying, oh God, be merciful to me. I, I, I'm, I'm flawed. I'm a sinner. I've got struggles. But, but Jesus says, this guy, the guy who understands that if you're going to get anything from God, it's because of his mercies not because of your really coolness or your deservingness. It's because God is amazing and loving and merciful. And that's the guy who receives something from the Lord. And so it's a, it, it's a really cool parable. And that's probably the only guy that could reach you because yeah. of the way you felt, you know, the, what you'd been through. I, I think that your background in light of, uh, you know, coming into meeting these people in light of everything, you felt accepted and loved instead of looked down upon and judged. Sure. Well, yeah, yeah and that's that's the thing. When I, I met Christ, really met Christ, a living faith in, in God uh, and a biblical living faith in God long before I met, quote, the church. And so it's really been helpful to me in all of my years of trying to help churches and, you know, help to address the issues that, that get in the way of people's faith, uh, to get them back to a living faith. Because that's, to me, that's the big key. The big ticket is, uh, is, uh, have you really met Jesus? Do you really have a, uh, an assurance that, that the here and now isn't everything that there is? If that's all you've got is here and now and there's no there and then for you, wow, that's a, that's a pretty rough thing. Then, then the beer commercials are all right when they say, hey, this is as good as it gets. Oh, that is <laughs> but a you know That's how good true. that is because you've been there. Yeah, yeah, and it's not. It's just not as good as it gets. We have a hope. We have a, a joy and an energy for life. We have a purpose for living now that, that is it's just huge. I mean, God, he loves us with an everlasting love. He's with us. He's never going to forsake us. He's for us and not against us. Oh, my goodness. You know, this is... It's amazing how easy this is to share with people. You talk about, uh, you deal a great deal with empowerment and strengthening people and, you know, live, live the best life you can live. Be, be a part of this thing now. Well, that's what it is. That's, that's really uh, a, his love, his grace, the hope that it brings, the joy, the purpose that this brings to your life. Man, that's just, that's amazing on steroids. I think it is in that knowing your passion knowing your purpose, and, you know, God has a purpose for you and, and that he has for no one else. And, and you and all your background, like what you have done, Rex, all your background is exactly what you needed to do what God had you to do. And I, I think where people go awry is they think their background is a hindrance, and it's not. It is the yeah. vaulting mechanism to um, success in their life, to be different, 
than everyone else to be a person that makes an impact in whatever God has for them the way God has it for them. Instead of trying to be with, like everyone else, it's so important to be different than everyone else. Yeah, yeah that's, that is, there's a, that's a huge mouthful right there because there's a, there's a brand that the church kind of puts out sometimes that sounds like cookie-cutter faith. You know, everybody has to look like me, wear the same clothes that I like, that I like, and, you know, all of that sort of thing, where the reality is that God meets people where they are as they are, and, and He sets up shop right there in them. And, and then you can redetermine. I mean, you literally, you, your whole life gets transformed from start to the eternal unending finish. Which is a beautiful thing, and 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 then you do you it's it's a real living personal faith where you don't have to regret all the junk you've been through. Uh, you have uh, you I, I I say it this way, and I've said it this way for years, but I don't know at at eighteen, nineteen, twenty years of age. I certainly I wasn't asking all the really right, mature, and important questions. I just wasn't. I was you know. We were just living large and figuring that we could die tomorrow. But when I met God, when I came to this place of an honest, unfolding, everyday maturing living faith, I found the answers to questions that I didn't even have a good sense to ask before. No, I'm sure. But, but it, yeah. that's it. It's a redefining of all of your life and, and your future then as well. Not just your past, but your future. So, so we, when did you meet your wife? Uh, in Bible college. We affectionately call it bridal college now because of that. <laughs> bridal but, college. Uh, so how yeah. old were you? Uh, I was, I went for, uh, basically, I think I went to Bible college when I was 22 years of age. Ah, that's and, next uh, then, right? Yeah, and so that's that's when I first met her. She was a, uh, she was in a prayer gathering that I was a part of in an early morning thing, and I just thought to myself, wow, wow. You know, early on, I thought everybody that I was ever going to meet in the faith were, you know, tired-looking, sad people, because that was kind of the church people that I had seen. That's so and, true. Uh, and here was one that wasn't, you know, she was vibrant, she had some sense of life about her, and, and of course, you know, she's pretty good-looking, too, so. <laughs> wow. So, you ended up going back to college. That's I exciting. Did. I did. I, I went to Bible college, right. And, Cool. Because I, I know that I want to get to these wonderful kids that you have. And I know one um, became a baseball player for the Anaheim Angels. Yeah, Did yeah, I say yeah, that, yeah. Anaheim Angels? Um, so how many kids do you have? Uh, I have two. I have two sons, two, Jeremy and Jared. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So we want to get into that when we get back from break sure. uh, to share your life after it was changed. Then you found your passion and your purpose. Um, and you went on to have these wonderful children that love you more than life, um, and you were able to find that sweet spot. Somehow, you've been able to pursue your passions and your dreams and your purpose and travel and do all these things you wanted to do and raise a family and do really well with them. And I, I don't mean to keep saying that, make you feel like I'm raining on that, but it has impacted me so much to hear your son talk about you and that your family and how close you guys are. And I think, you know, a lot of people in Christianity have not found that. They can do well in one area or another, but to have that balance and end up being what I call fully successful, truly successful in life, uh, I want to get back at how you did that and how you're different. Okay, so we'll pick up from there right after break. 
go to commercial. Have you back here, guys. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You have the power within to achieve anything, be it wealth, balance in your life, getting over your fears and roadblocks, and creating a positive impact on the world. Let Darby Mack show you how on the Powerful, Passionate, Prosperous Woman Show. Darby will bring you the tools and tips that you need to make it all happen with engaging guests and topics that will help you make your dreams come true. The Powerful, Passionate, Prosperous Woman Show is heard live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Living Well. My name is Ann Beal, and I have Rex Bornman here talking about his life as a pastor and what led up to that. Um, many exciting things about drugs and uh, finding Christ and living his life of purpose and helping churches find their purpose when they've lost their passion and purpose. Um, it's an interesting perspective to... Uh, Come with your background, Rex, and um, see what passion uh, for God really looks like without the church involved, you know, and then being yeah. able to impact churches with that and say, wait, you guys, you know, that energy that everyone wants to feel, that great feeling of being involved with with Christians, you know, that, that a lot of people are trying to find. They're trying to find that. And they go from church to church, big church to big church, trying to find that, and they don't find it. You help those yep. churches get that back. That's so cool. It, it is. You know, it's an interesting thing. I was on a plane uh, recently and just chatting with a couple of guys on the plane about, you know, life in general and all of this other kind of thing. And inevitably the conversations get around to some of the, the what do you do and this and that and 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 in talking to them uh, about hope and about life and and a perspective, uh, the the joy, the energy that 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 they were talking about, 
experiencing while we chatted our way through this flight. Um, they were sort of surprised when I got to the thing about saying, "Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a part of a church leadership team, and you know, I do these things, this real church ministry stuff, and you know, some of the travel that I do." And they were like, "No, oh, church, really? You're kidding!" And, and it was an interesting thing because I, I was able to apologize for the church, and and wow. and here's the here's the truth of it. How do you take the the truths of God's loving, redemptive, uh, you know, His willingness to just literally put all of our sins and stuff away, to put them away, literally, to to give His Son to become sin for us, so that we might have a place of righteousness and and acceptance and peace and joy and life with God. Uh, you know, how do you take redemption and forgiveness and eternal love and and mercy? And how, how do you sour people on that? I mean, that's, that's just really mishandling the goods, if you ask me. But, but that is what happens. It, it, a lot of times, people, they, they just lose their faith. They lose their way. They lose a connection with Christ. And so my, my current question that I ask a ton of people every day is, hey, have you really met Jesus? You know, do, you, do, you, do you have a clue as to who he really is? Well, I ask church people that quite a bit. Because, you know, I, I think that's the, that's the difference. There is a huge difference between living faith, a vital, powerful, personal, living relationship with God, and, uh, and just the stuff that you do. You know, the, the, the churchy behaviors and the, you know, hmm. God gets a day, God gets a song, God gets a check, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it, it, life is way bigger than that. Well, and you took that passion of finding this incredible energy and, and love for God with the people that you met. Um, and then you went to Bible college. How, yeah. how no? Now I do have a question. <laughs> when did the drug stop? Was it before you went to Bible college? Where was it? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just quit. I just you quit. Just when quit. I found the Lord, I mean, seriously, when I met the Lord, I, I quit. It, it just, I just stopped. Um, I, 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 I'd love to tell you some amazing story of this, you know, encounter that I had with God that he delivered me and set me free from it all. But the reality was that I just, you know, all the reasons that I was taking drugs for that, that whole, you know, just chill out, mellow out, you know, get, get your head together, all of that sort of thing. Uh, I was experiencing that in my relationship with God. I, I said I was finding answers to stuff that I really had never even asked before, and hope and joy and, and a sense of acceptance, uh, you know, just a purpose in all of that stuff that that just, you know, why would I take drugs? I, You know, some of the, the guys that I hung around with, they would talk about this supernatural kind of high, and that's what, it, that's what they were crediting is that, that this, this reality of faith, it gives you a perspective, a life energy, a um, you know, a, a sense of uh, of wellness. There, there you go. There's, it's a good one for us on this show. A sense of real wellness, of holistic wellness. That that just you know, I mean, why would you need drugs at that point? And I, I am very aware, working with people who are addicted, that I need to, before you take away a coping skill, you've got to mm. replace it with something. You've got to replace it with other coping skills, healthy coping yep. skills, and, and passion, yep. and purpose for their life, and and they, and they you know, a lot of people say, oh, they need naltrexone or something to keep the cravings away, and things like that, and well, okay, but I know for it to be lasting, 
that they they are missing that joy and that passion and that 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 natural high about life. And I, I do have people, you know, laugh at me because I do tend to have this natural high about life. I I, I love life, and I um yeah. I I try to teach pass that on whatever I can do because I. I know how great it feels. And if other people can just feel that, they'll understand. And it sounds like you you had that and then you went on to Bible college to learn more about the Lord, to learn more about the Bible, to learn more about ministry. Why did you go? Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine had been to this Bible college and, you know, said, hey, this is the way to go, that part of the the process to follow involves, you know, credentialing and uh, certain levels of uh, uh, educational qualification and some of those sorts of things. And so uh, it wasn't going to hurt me to be able to go. And so, yeah. Yeah, I just, it was a part of, to me, it was an unfolding part of a life's journey. Uh, I'd like to make it as simple sounding as I, I, I asked and believed that it was God's will for my life. But having met my wife there, I'm clearly sure it was God's will for my life. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you, so you took that passion and you put it into your marriage? Uh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a, uh, if it's a life truth, if this is, Again, I go back to the why we call it the Christ life. It's because it's this is it. In Him is life, and so everything about my life—raising your children, uh, being a friend, uh, being an employee or an employer, being the speaker or the listener, being whatever it is—you uh, know, your your life is influenced by these things. This is a this is a, a life aid, a li- this is where life is. And so, yeah, it, it becomes very much an important part of uh, how you live it out day by day, which is the cool thing, because that's that's really why my kids talk the way they talk, I think. it's it, This is not a Sunday, you know, a Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday kind of faith, you know, this, your one thing... Uh, in in the pulpit or in the in the church situation, and there's some completely different thing somewhere else. I mean, if 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 you live that way, certainly the people closest to you are going to see that, and and the 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 hypocrisy of that just screams out. You know, hey, somebody ought to fix some of that. So living faith gets you past all of that. It's a it's just the real deal. Um, you know, day by day, and and so you always have hope. You always have help. You have problems just like everybody else does, and you know that well, being a, being a life coach like you are. Uh, that's part of what we're doing. We're learning uh, what are some methodologies on how to deal with these things. What, what are some life truths that you have that are going to impact you as you move forward? And, and I just personally think that, you know, again, this, this sense of knowing who I am, not because of what I've done and who I am, I know who I am is. I know God, and that gives my whole life tremendous sense of meaning. I have, I have tremendous value to Him and, and hope for the future and purpose in, in whose I am more than in who I am. So when you take that and you apply it in your family, um, you know, our humanness makes us struggle. And when we're sure. home, we are the sa- in the safest place that we can yep. be ourselves when we struggle and you can have a hard day and, you know, keep it in all day long. And when you get home, 
you feel it's safe enough to let it out. So your family can often see the worst parts of you, the worst sides of you. And how do you, how have you handled that, that made it, because you had to have done things differently. And that's one of the things, that's one of the main things in this segment. I want to find out what it is. What is that key? What in the world did you do differently? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what in the world I did differently. I mean, I do have a sense of, uh, uh, I don't, I don't, really ever think that I that I I'm gonna hold this in, I'm just gonna keep this raging kind of thing under wraps till I get home and then dump it on my family. Ooh. I to me to me that would be like, wow, why would I why would I do that? Number one, why would I hold on to that in the first place? Uh, when when I don't have to, I have I have hope. I have help. I have a, uh, the cool thing about prayer and communion with God is that that He's involved. The living faith side of it, He's involved with helping every part of every day. So while the thing is happening that could enrage you and could cause you to be you know moved aside, God is right there with you, helping you to see it from a different perspective. You know, if you could just see, imagine somebody's raging at you and they're all angry and all that, (laughs) and you could somehow see that, hey, there's a personal level of pain that's going on here in them that's creating some of that stuff. Well, that would change your whole perspective. Wouldn't it? yeah, and I, so I was sure, wondering it would what it you is not to be so uh, about what they're doing, and in fact, end up being a little more compassionate, a little more of a, oh yeah, wow, I see that, and and almost get you to the place where you start to say, well, well, if I know that about what's going on, maybe maybe I'm supposed to be trying to help some of that to take place during this, to help God uh, and this person to connect in this way, and so I think to me that's the. You know, the living faith side, I keep going back to it, but, but it is, you're asking for a key, and, and that's at least one of them. That's one way to say it is a vital, living, 24-7, uh, every moment, every second kind of thing uh, of connectedness with God spiritually. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, that's a, that's a redefiner for everything about life. You're never alone. You never would have you, to do it um, on your own. Would you say that with Jeremy and Jared that um, you were able to be more patient with them, more more compassionate, more understanding of them. There's something they felt, they had to feel understood, accepted, um, something like that. For them to feel the way they do about any, you know, about you as their dad and people with their dads, so many people don't feel that. When I hear, when I hear them talk, that's what I hear. Right. And so, how do you think you were able to do that? I mean, well, what did I think you part of it, I think, goes to the, the connecting them as well. I mean, this is the most single most important reality in my life is this, this loving relationship with God, this living faith thing that we're talking about. And so, uh, these are the people that, you know, that I, I love uh, immeasurably, their spirits so close to me. They they are, for heaven's sake, I, lo- I look in the mirror and I see them, you know, so they're that close to me. This would be place number one to be sharing that place of living faith. So some of their perspectives are clearly colored by the fact that they have uh, embraced and, and responded to, in their own personal lives, some level of a living faith. 
And that doesn't cancel that there are times when we fight or we yell or we, you know, we fail one another or we do stuff that, that, that we shouldn't do. But what it does then, it gives us a chance to say, hey, wait, we're not going to let it go like that. We're going to deal with this thing. We're going to apologize where we need to apologize. We're going to, we're going to let mercy and grace and truth and, and the hope that God brings to us, let that rule the day and carry ourselves through these things. And so I, I think that really makes that, that's a, a huge ticket item that, that there's an appreciation for what we've shared. And they're also, I mean, they're just, they're, they're pretty cool guys. I, I, I love them. They're good kids. But again, <laughs> everybody goes through issues, so. Yes, but it sounds like for you, it, everyone, uh, it almost sounds like there's not, disrespect is not allowed in any, from anyone in the family. I mean, it's like everyone needs to be respectful one to another. And well, clearly. It, yeah, and um, love and accept each other. Even sure. when you, that would be unconditional love, even when you're not perfect or mess, you know, when you mess there up. You you I, believe, I believe I've read about that somewhere along the way. <laughs> unconditional <laughs> That's love. That's the reality of it. I mean, you hit it really well. Unconditional love. That, you know, it doesn't come with a price tag. It doesn't have a whole list of qualifiers, you know, if, if you do this and when you do that. No, no, no. It's, this is the given. This is the gift. You know, it's, it's a gift, and that's the beauty of it. God has given us his unconditional love. And so that's, that's ground zero. That's where we start. Well, if you're going to start there, and, if, and it, no matter what you build, let's say, let's, let's say you tried to build something really cool, but it turned out to be a house of cards, and poof, you know, uh-huh. wind blows, down it is. Well, it, it all lands on this place called unconditional love. Well, that's good enough by me. How long have you been married? Uh, we're, we will be celebrating our 40th anniversary in July of this year. Wow, that is quite a testament. Well, we have to close, and I can tell you how much I have enjoyed having you on and sharing with us all about your life and about how you were able to achieve what you have with your family. And we would love to, I have to have you on again sometime to talk more about how your family has come to be. And um, thank you so much for being on, Rex. Uh, my delight, and thank you so much for having me. And as I told you before, I would love to pursue this. I I want to interview you sometime and just hear all about <laughs> all the good end stories. Well, and I'll have Rex's contact information on the website. Do you have a quick email? Yes, I do. Yeah, anybody can email me anytime they like, and I actually answer at Rex R E X at realchurchministry dot org R E A L C H U R C H M I N I-S-T-R-Y dot org. So Rex at realchurchministry.org. And if they want to call me, I actually answer my cell phone, too. Okay, and we'll put that on the website, my show page. Thank you so much, and thanks for listening to Living Well out there, and hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 